Hi, Future Hindsight fans. I wanted to introduce you to our Civics Club content. Every guest shares an insight with me about what gets them excited and keeps them engaged in fighting the good fight for our democracy. I'm so excited to let you hear this since we don't normally share this out publicly. I know we all feel it's so crucial right now to stand up and do something. If you want to hear more of what our incredible guests share, join our Civics Club on Patreon. The website is patreon.com forward slash future hindsight. Head over there and sign up today for some serious civic knowledge. Welcome to the Future Hindsight Civics Club. Our guest today is Adam Cohen. He's the author of Supreme Inequality, the Supreme Court's 50-year battle for a more unjust America. I really, really loved this book, and I recommend that you read it for yourself. His passion for justice and equality is so infectious. And he explains the injustice inflicted upon the poor by the Supreme Court so clearly. I wanted to know why he was so passionate and how he came to write this book. So what are you doing personally? What's the kind of advocacy that you do? Well, I mean, I, I do think that that's why I wrote this book. I felt like, you know, we all think about what we can contribute. You know, I'm a bit of a law nerd, honestly. And I was a public interest lawyer for many years working in Alabama, where I lived for some time on some of these issues on trying to get school funding increased in the black belt for poor black students and trying to get integration for the schools in Hartford. So I worked as a lawyer on many of these issues. I've worked as a journalist on many of these issues. But with this book, I thought one thing I can contribute is I think I have some insight into just how horrible the court has been. And in addition to writing the book, I have been trying to speak out a lot about it. So I see myself right now as trying to raise people's consciousness and say things like I just did now about the importance of our taking back the court. So I have a question about your past with the Southern Poverty Law Center. How did you end up there after law school? Because, you know, not a lot of people choose that path. Yeah, it was a bit of a an unusual course. I felt like I'd been in school my entire life. And then I did one year of, as a law clerk, and that felt a lot like school. And I really wanted to do something very different. And moving to Alabama and doing on-the-ground litigation was that. And it, it, it turned out to be that. I worked on a case that we filed to try to challenge a, a county jail in Alabama where just had a terrible jail where the prisoners were being very badly treated. And over time, that jail was replaced with a new jail. So it was things like that. I really wanted to like be in the front lines. And the idea of going to Alabama was to me exciting because, you know, I spent my whole life in the Northeast. So I really wanted to do all that stuff. And I, I, I did. And then after that, after doing that for one year, I went to the ACLU where they were just starting a big school case in Alabama. So I was able to continue working with people in Alabama on issues of poverty law and things like that, but from New York and then going back and forth between New York and Alabama. That's fantastic. That's uh, so commendable. So I have a question about sort of some of the cases that you spoke about in the book about robbing the rights of poor people and expanding the rights of the rich. And I kind of wanted to go back there because the Supreme Court did two things. It separately robbed the rights of the poor and also expanded the rights of the rich, but it did them in tandem. And so 
In what way does robbing the rights of the poor actually expand the rights of the rich, even indirectly? I think as the court views it, you know, as conservatives view it, it very often is zero sum in their minds. So like any rights you give to the poor in their mind are being taken away from the rich and from big business. So welfare rights, for example, if we had recognized any kind of a right to real constitutional protection for welfare, we would probably have a more robust welfare system. And as we all know, I mean, the welfare system in the country right now is incredibly deficient, right? People who receive welfare are living well below the poverty line. And in some states, it's become almost impossible to get cash welfare. So imagine if we had a different system where poor people really were taken care of. For some conservatives, they think, well, that's money out of my pocket. You know, that's money that's going to come out of my taxes. And then in the electoral context, for example, I think the conservatives on the court very much feel, well, if we have the Voting Rights Act strictly enforced and more poor and minority voters vote, their candidates are more likely to win. And that means that candidates who support tax cuts for the rich and the rights of corporations, all that are, are more likely to lose. So I do think when conservatives look at these things, they do tend to have this feeling that your rights are somehow things taken away from me. And, you know, this came up again with this case we've now mentioned about uh, gay and transgender rights, where People point out that Kavanaugh wrote such an angry dissent, and you wonder, like, what is there to be so angry about? I mean, why are you so concerned that, you know, gay people and trans people can't be discriminated against in the workplace? How does that hurt you? How does that affect you at all? But it's amazing the degree to which people, a certain kind of person, feels very personally aggrieved when other people get their rights. Yeah, that's... Uh... Definitely fascinating. Uh, well, although he is, I think, personally grieved about a lot of things, Kavanaugh is. That's all for this week's edition of the Future Hindsight Civics Club. And I hope that Adam has inspired you to become a citizen changemaker yourself. Until next time, stay engaged. I'm Mila Atmos. <laughs>